Jasmine, do you mind starting the reading with verses one and two? All right, let's do it. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Okay. All right. What do you guys find amazing about the word of the Lord? That it came a second time. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. That Jonah got a second chance. That was, you know... Basically, I, I was just thinking about all the second chances that the Lord gives, and mm-hmm. even just like in, in the Bible, like Abraham got a second chance after he lied about yes. Sarah. I and mean, he blew that one too. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he blew it twice. I mean, he got a third chance, dude. David got a second chance after Bathsheba yeah. and all of that, or even like Peter, obviously, that's, you know, the New but Testament one. I love one. this because this is definitely the call of God that he got a second chance. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we think, Oh, I missed the opportunity. I know mm. more people who think they missed the opportunity to act on the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But when you pray, you know, God is so good mm-hmm. to, to come again and give you that because he's a God of all grace. Yeah. Yeah. I, sorry, now that you said that, just triggered something. Um, that actually happened in my family with my dad. He felt like the Lord was calling him and my mom to the mission field. Gosh, when we were little kids, but at that time, in his walk, he was concerned about providing for his family and all of these things. But the Lord brought it back around again when we were a little older, and they ended up, obviously, they're on the mission field now. They're in England. Mm-hmm. But yeah, God doesn't, you know, he's not like, well, you blew that one, sorry. I mean, he'll bring it back around and prepare us for the right timing. And, and I love the fact, too, that God didn't change his mind about using Jonah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, you think about how God could have said, okay, if you're not going to do it, I'll choose this person over here. They're more willing. I mean, remember, he's one of a group of prophets at this time. And so God's like, no, it's you. And I love that. that It talks about in the Bible that the Spirit of God strives with us. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that the Spirit of God, you know, strives with us. Like, come on, Cheryl. Mm -hmm. You want to do this for Jesus, don't you? And you're like, oh, Yes, you know, so yeah, yeah. I love that. Would this be an in- instance of the gifts and calling of God without repentance? Is it kind of like that? Or would you say not, like that verse? I think so. Something you know, along those, I yeah. definitely think God's like, he's not finished with Jonah. Yeah. He's, he's gonna, yeah. it's still gonna be Jonah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know how we always talk about grace with this too. And you think mercy is not getting what you deserve, right? Yeah. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. And so Jonah mm-hmm. doesn't deserve the second chance, but God is so faithful to give exactly. it to him. And when you're talking about David, I was thinking about that too. Think of all the Psalms that we wouldn't have if God hadn't given David a second chance. Oh, yeah. And you know, here, these are the very Psalms that Jonah was talking about in his pit that were pulling yeah. him out. And it's because God gave David a second chance too. Hmm. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are God's instructions to Jonah? Well, I think it's interesting that it's the same word. Uh, you know, it starts out the same thing, get up, yeah. you know, or yeah. get going now. I'm, yeah. I'm paraphrasing, you know, arise. But it's like, get up, yeah. get up. Like, I think sometimes we're just like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I blew it, I'm so sorry. And we're so repentant that we're inactive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like we're paralyzing ourselves. I don't deserve this. I'm full disqualified. I can't believe this. I just got out of a fish's mouth, you know? Yeah. And God's like, get up. Yep. Get up. And you know, like even with Joshua in the in the book of Joshua, it's like after the defeat of AI. It's like Joshua's just mourning, like, oh, it's so bad, you know, his God failed his promises, you know, and the Lord says, what are you doing crying? Get up. Right. There's sin in the camp. Fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to give you victory. I'm not finished with my promises. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Arise. Mm-hmm. Get up. 
And that was the word he needed to hear. Yep. Last time, God told him what he was going to do, and he gave him more, a little bit more instruction. And this time, he just said, get up and go. And then I'm going to tell you what... Yes you're going to need to know. Yeah, that was interesting too. That, you know, and, and that just reminds me, whether this is the case or not, because it was the same message, obviously, but right. the fact that he said, I'll tell you when you get there, mm-hmm. it was just a good reminder, like sometimes the Lord will do that. Like, I'm not going to give you the whole picture, you'll never do it, or you'll freak out, or exactly. not, you know, he'll just give you that next I, step. I felt like need. Jonah couldn't be trusted with the message. Exactly, yeah, yeah definitely. Like, I'm, I'm not going to give you the message, because... Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give it there because I really can't trust you because exactly. you're still you don't want to do this. I mean, Jonah <sighs> does clear. not want to do this, but yeah. he doesn't want any more fish in his life. You know? <laughs> so he'll yeah, it's like I'll do it. I don't grudgingly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he probably was not a pescatarian, right. which yeah. is not to be mixed up with a presbyterian. <laughs> Watch your pronunciation. But I, I think yeah. it's interesting too that it's the same place and it's the same people. Mm-hmm. And it's the same means. Mm-hmm. So he's like you know, it's Nineveh, it's still Nineveh, yep. it's still the Ninevites, and it's still preach. The, mm-hmm. You know, you're still going to preach. Right. You're, you haven't, you haven't, you know, nothing's changed, really, yeah. except mm-hmm. for this time, you can't speak till I tell you what it's mm-hmm. to be. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Good stuff. Anything else? Um, I think my last takeaway on this was just, uh, is that what you're on? The last yeah. takeaway. Take away. <laughs> Um, just the fact, okay, Jonah's repented, and now the word of the Lord comes back to him. And just the reminder, like, I don't know, Weirsby pointed this out, and I was like, well, that's a good point. You know, sometimes we're not hearing from the Lord because there's something we need to repent of, just very basically. I know, and we, you know, I know that came up during the prayer time before this, but I see, obviously, repentance is kind of the big theme in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And that was just something, actually, it was cool because it was something the Lord was already speaking to me before I started studying for this. Just like, I don't know, just the importance of just keeping... Uh, short accounts with God and the clean heart. And sometimes I'm like, Lord, I just, why, I want to see you more. And why can't I feel your presence more? And then I was thinking of that. And that verse came to mind actually last weekend, you know, the pure in heart will, she, will see God. And I was mm-hmm. like, part of it is like, just, just keep a clean heart before me. That'll help. <laughs> That'll make a difference. The pure in heart see God because, you know, you're, you're, you know, just repenting and just dealing with sin and not letting anything just be harbored and stuck in there. Yeah. And it gives an opportunity for the Lord to really speak and move, so. This Good. is my third chance story. I, um, I was at, I went to um, Sprouts on Harbor Boulevard and there was a man playing the violin with a sign. And the violin was really beautiful and I felt the spirit of the Lord say, give him some money. And I said, right, and I didn't. You know, it's like, I went straight to the car and I got in the car and I felt this conviction all the way home. So I'm like, Lord, I promise next time I will. So I don't know, like four days later, I went back to Sprouts and there he was again. And I felt it so strongly, like, here's your opportunity. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, right. And I didn't. And so I confessed it to Brian. I love how honest you are. Yes. I said to Brian, I said, I really felt led and I didn't, but all week I just felt this conviction. Like, so... I went again, and there he was. And I was like, okay, I hear you. I, it was like pressing down on me all week long. Like, I told you, Cheryl. Mm-hmm. And so I took this money, and I put it in the thing. And I just wanted to get it done as fast as possible. But he looked up at me and goes, thank you so much. God bless you. And I was like, oh. You know? <laughs> but when I got in the car, I felt so free. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was just like... 
finally I did the will of the Lord. Yeah. And it was just such a small thing, but it was so strong mm -hmm. that I knew it. I mean, I haven't felt it for the accordion guy, but I felt it for the violin guy. The violin. The violin it was guy. just so, so strong, you know, and it's yeah. not every time. But that time, and I felt like it was this test. Mm -hmm. And when I finally obeyed, like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we're thinking, is that the Lord, is that not the Lord? And I really had to weigh, is this just me or is this, you know? And when I told Brian, Brian was like, give him the money already. And I was like, okay, it's the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, that's my, no, my that was mine. Oh, my takeaway too was just thinking about the, um, the second chance, him being the God of the second chance. Yep. And it made me think of the prodigal son and that yes. story. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like you think, okay, what if the prodigal son ran away again? Would God, would his father have given him the same mercy again? And I think he would have, but I think with love like that, like the lessons even that you learned from not obeying and then obeying the voice of the Lord, like you don't ever want to go back to that. Like that son doesn't ever want to go back to that pigsty. The love that he had from his father and coming back to his father, he's not going to run away again. Yeah. But yeah. even the fact that the Lord gave me another chance, but the joy I felt when mm -hmm. I obeyed, it was like crazy because before I'd felt this heaviness, not that God was displeased, but it was kind of like Cheryl. Right. And it's that like, conviction. yes, and mm -hmm. it's so gentle and it's so grace-filled. But when I got the other opportunity, it was like when I put it in, it was just like, Release. It was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And I felt like God said, I'm so proud of you. I know that's crazy, but he does. Mm -hmm. He yeah. says, because it says, well done, thou good and faithful yeah. servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what I felt like I was entering into God's joy. God wanted to bless this man. Mm -hmm. And I got to be a part of that joy. Mm -hmm. You know? And uh, Go ahead. Do you want Go ahead. That's okay, right. I was just going to say, walking in the call of God, like he wants, he has good works that he has yes. prepared beforehand Flipping for us to walk two. in. He wants no. us to walk. Ephesians 2, sorry. Ephesians 2, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. 2, 10, yeah. 11. But he wants us to walk in those things. But then 11. there's joy that comes with walking in those things he's prepared totally. for us. I, no, I was just going to say just the fact that it, you might be like, oh, this is just a little thing. Those things are really important. And I'm yeah. not going to, I won't get into details, but some of those missionary stories that, you know, we're always talking about, if you read their biographies, a lot of, you know, the work God did and in and through them um, was the result of a lot of small decisions like that when they were growing and, and learning in their walk, like, like, like silly little convictions they Isabel had. Coon. Yeah, Isabel Coon's a great example of that. Oh, glad is the word. Yeah, William Borden, Barkley yeah. Buxton. I mean, these guys oh, had these moments that were like, well, yeah, you would know him if I talked about it more. But they had these little convictions that other people would have been like, that's not a big deal. Why are you so... Yeah. But they obeyed and honored God in those little things, and it set them up for just future obedience and stuff. I think when stuff, you're on so. the mission field, though, you realize how crucial obedience is. Yeah. I think yeah. here in this atmosphere where things, we get away with so much. I know, it's true. Seriously. We're always getting away with so much. And because we can push the envelope so far mm. and not really feel it because we come back to church, but in those places when it, obedience, it's like obedience or death on the mission right. field. And I was just in England, but it was like obedience or die here. And I'm like, I don't want to die. Yeah, yeah. So it was like you obey and you realize how crucial obedience is. Like, yeah. what am I doing in England trying to minister to people if my walk's not right? I have yeah. no business here. I'm going to go down. You get kind of exposed. You're exposed. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. so vulnerable. And so you know that everything depends on obedience. We're here. 
you know, we're just like, if a church says something we don't like, like I have to love my enemies, uh-uh, I'll go to a different church that tells me I can hate them. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we're picking and choosing and we're ditching obedience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. God is able. Yeah. yeah, and like as we obey, then he reveals the next step. Like with Jonah, as he yeah. arose and got up and went, then God revealed the next things. Exactly, yeah. All right, let's move on. Verses yes. three and four, Cheryl. Of the next things. Yes, yeah. the next things, <laughs> verses three and okay. four. CSB, Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. You almost want to cheer there like, oh, finally. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now, Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Okay. So we've kind of already talked a little bit about some of these things, but let's highlight Jonah's obedience, his mission field, and his message. Um, With his obedience, yeah, because you're right, we already kind of covered this, but I I don't know what really hit me was just the fact that he still had to journey to Nineveh. So, I mean, and I read in one of the, I don't know, one of the commentaries that Nineveh was like 375 miles from the Mediterranean. So he still had a long journey ahead of him, obviously. So there's still the opportunity there to disobey or to stall or to just kind of, but at this point now he's finally all in on obedience and and he's just going to fully do what the Lord said. Like you said, grudgingly, but he still fully obeyed. And I was like, that's Mm -hmm. important. And I put it's immediate and absolute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I put Jonah perhaps is scared to disobey. He knows the consequences of disobedience. And sometimes it takes that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have a Jonah experience in my own life um, that happened when I was 18 and 19 years old. And ever since then, it's like, I even remember when we were called to England and we had a thriving church in Vista. Um, we were actually really, really liked. Um, our church was big. We had a school from K all the way to senior. So they were, you know, they were safe. There was a school. We were voted best church in Vista three years in a row. I, I mean, we, I had the house of my dreams. It was on a cul-de-sac. I loved my neighbors. I mean, I loved everything. I had the, my great friends. I loved everything about my life in Vista. And when God called us to go to England and uproot, and we had been like a big fish in a little pond, we were going where we'd be guppies in like a great city. But I remember at the time thinking, and the Lord putting in my heart, you know what it is. You know what disobedience, you know the cost is. And I thought I can either stay here and have all this taken away from me, or I can give it to God right now and obey the Lord. And that's, you know, that was, and it wasn't like, um, I mean, our teenagers were mad at us when we moved to to England and they really did sacrifice a lot, but it wasn't like it was an easy move or that because we obeyed God, there were flowers, you know, strewn all over our path. It was, it was a hard life. I mean, I remember it was just like, it was freezing cold. We're taking a bus to get to church with all of us and we're looking down in the that we're driving by a fountain, it's frozen over. And it's like, where am I right now? Texas. No. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but it was just such a different lifestyle. Everything was yeah. so different. But it was the thought, like, I don't ever want to go through a season of disobedience ever again. Yeah. And it happened when I was 18 or 19. And I'm thankful it happened at that age. Because, you know, getting it young like that, the rest of my life, it's like, I don't want the great fish. I don't want another great fish. Mm-hmm. It was so traumatic. And obedience 
experience, too, isn't always so that we have comfort. Like we think, yeah. we, in America, we just have this life of comfort where we really look for that. But God wants to develop our faith and he wants to develop our character. And we had a similar thing, too, like where God called our family out. We were living in San Diego and he called us to move to the East Coast. And I remember when God was putting things on Lance's heart, he told him one thing to do. And living in San Diego, we had a lot of friends that were military families and they would get orders. And sometimes they were sealed ordered orders where they didn't know where they were gonna be going next. And it felt like we got sealed orders. Like God was saying, obey me in this little tiny thing and then I'm gonna tell you the next thing. And as we obeyed, then he unfolded the next thing. And he was so faithful every step. But it wasn't necessarily for our comfort, but it was development of us choosing to obey him, us choosing to listen to his voice, and our faith growing, how faithful he was. Yeah. Yeah. Obedience is just so important. You know, mm-hmm. like we talked yeah. about before, as um, Samuel said to King Saul, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Yeah. You know, so many times we're trying to pay off God. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to do this, but I'll give you this, and I'll give you this, and I'll give you this, but I won't give you this, but I'll give you this, and I'll give you this. And God wants obedience yeah. from the heart because it shows that we trust him exactly. and that we love him above everything else, mm-hmm. above our comfort, above our, um, our prosperity. I was thinking about, because mm-hmm. I'm reading Judges, how Israel was kind of going, I want the God that will give me what I want. Mm-hmm. I want the God that will give me the wealth I want, the prosperity I want. And so they're kind of like, you know, going to the grocery store of God and Baal is promising prosperity and, you know, fertility in the land and all the success. And God is promising, you know, he's giving you the law and he's mm-hmm. promising blessing, but in his time and in his way, mm-hmm. right? And so they're like, well, you know, Baal is a quick fix. Yeah. And so because of that, they're going with Baal. But yeah. um, the, the importance of just obedience right. to God. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, and then we see, like, this is a very hard mission field. So I wanted to bring up what's the mission field that God's calling him back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I feel like even though, yeah, exactly, like, obedience can be hard. I've definitely had some of those in my life, too. But having the presence of the Lord with you in it, like, makes it, you're, you know you're safe then. If you go out, you know, go away from the presence of the Lord to do your own thing because it's easier, it's just so... It's not safe, and, and there is just that sense of strife, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it really, it, it's never really comfortable <laughs> spiritually mm-hmm. for you. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. Like, like Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't take us up from here. Mm-hmm. It's just not worth it, so. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. I like Jonah's mission field, too, Nineveh, because I was thinking, not only, like you said, is it a distance away, but it's a great city. And by great, it yeah. doesn't just mean large, even though, obviously... And three days, it's not necessarily that he went around the city, but he went through the city, mm-hmm. like over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people say, well, Nineveh's not, you know, a three-day journey around, but he was trying to cover all the area of Nineveh, right. making sure everyone heard, right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when it, when it says um, a great city, it means it's advanced, mm-hmm. and that it's large, it's sophisticated, and it's mm-hmm. wicked. Mm-hmm. And I was right. thinking, this is a place where God's saying, cover the entire terrain, but how intimidating a city like that would be. Totally. That's what I was thinking too. Like God chose the worst of the worst. Like these are the merciless Ninevites, the Assyrians who like their wickedness was known across the the world, you know? Violence, yeah. And this is a place for him to display his grace and his power to save. Yeah. And he wants to save. Amen. Yeah. 
And so his message, yeah, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished, but actually that word that I'm using as demolished or that you've got destroyed is actually the um, Hebrew word hapak, Mm -hmm. and it means changed. Mm. And it does not necessarily mean destroyed. It means changed. Mm. And they were saying that the translators, you know, because it can be destroyed, it can be translated that, but it's more often translated change. Interesting. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. 40 days. So it's kind of like, it leaves it up in the air like it's your choice. Do you want to be changed wow. or do you want to be demolished? That's interesting. In 40 days. And then you see 40 days a lot of times is the number of judgment in the right. scripture, like 40 Noah. days with Noah. Noah. Yeah. Yep. 40 days with wandering in the wilderness. 40 the years. Children, yeah, 40 wilderness. years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like Jesus being tempted with the trial in the wilderness for 40 days. Yeah. But then this is 40 days of grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In instead of to, judgment. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Before judgment. That's good. I had a takeaway, but I can wait yeah, until the next away. day. Well, it's kind of sim- it's kind of goes okay. on to the next. Oh my God. You guys <laughs> ready to move on, on then? We probably should. Okay. Well, I, I put this. What appeared as a suicide mission was a mission of life. What appeared as a message of death was a message of mercy and life. And I was just thinking about how we can see things from the wrong vantage point. You know, it mm-hmm. looks like I'm going there to die. Mm-hmm. And God's like, no, you're going there to bring life. Or I'm going there with this terrible message of death. No, you're going there with the message of life. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, again, mm-hmm. how different it looks to Jonah yeah. than it looks to God mm-hmm. and then it looks to the Ninevites. Mm-hmm. You've got these three different perspectives. Like the Ninevites are probably Jonah's their hero. He brought us life. He's mm-hmm. such a great guy. Jonah's like, I hate you. I hate yeah. you. <laughs> you know? So. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Ready right. to move on? Okay, let's see. Day three, verses five and six. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. The word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Amazing. Okay, I know. This is an interesting response. So what was the people's response to Jonah's message? I had the most on this. I was just like, whoa, mm-hmm. this day was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, first of all, just, and this kind of goes with the, the message that he gave, like what we talked about yesterday on the previous day, but just about just his message was so um, just basic. Exactly. You know, just Simple. the fact, yeah, and that, you know, that in itself is just pretty striking, you know, but I was thinking first of like the Apostle Paul and how he said, you know, I didn't, in 1 Corinthians 2, he talks about, um, I didn't come to you with excellence of speech and wisdom, but I just preached simply, Christ and him crucified, a very basic message. Mm-hmm. And I also just thought of even Billy Graham. I remember going to Billy Graham crusades, like, you know, way, you know back in the day when he was still going and stuff. And, and just thinking about how basic that message was, and it's just like, okay, that wasn't really like... Wow, but how many people would respond to that? Because that's really where the power is. The power of God is in the gospel, clearly, and in just the Lord moving through his word by his spirit. And again, I talked about this last week, but just the confidence that we can have and not being ashamed of the gospel, even like you were saying, Cheryl, about how sophisticated Nineveh was. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think in our society, we can think, when, I know when I've shared the gospel sometimes with people, I'm like, listen to what I'm saying, Jesus rose from the dead. You know, I'm talking to this person who probably believes science, you know, and all this stuff, but it doesn't matter. It's the power of God to sell. And it's amazing how sometimes somebody will respond that you would never have expected. I remember um, my best friend and I were witnessing at the mall one time and um, there was a lady just sitting there outside of the Apple store and 
She just looked like, she just had that face, like, don't even, don't even try to come talk to me or whatever. But for some reason, Alina's like, I think the Lord wants us to share with her. I'm like, oh, girl, not that lady, come on. But we, you know, finally, when I went up to her and started talking, she was just like, she started crying. She's talking about my son is like, you know, special needs and he's really struggling right now. He's in that store right now. I'm waiting for him. And she was just really going through a hard time and like, yeah, and I, I probably should be going to church. Like all this stuff, it was like not expected at all. Mm. Kind of like these Nineveh, you know, these are hard, sophisticated yeah. people. But the gospel gets to the heart. It yeah. finds its way in. It doesn't matter what it sounds like to us. It's the power of God. I was telling Angie, I just finished a book yesterday by Rachel Gilson and it's called called uh, Born This Way Again. And she was at Yale. She identified herself as a lesbian. I mean, she'd be somebody on your least likely to receive the gospel. (laughs) And the message just hit her so Mm. hard. And she knew uh, she had no church experience at all, Mm. uh, was raised in a broken home. And the Christians just surrounded her, loved her, knew where she was coming from. And she said, uh, somebody told her, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, your background or what. But she said when she read the scripture, she's like, oh, it does matter to God. And just her own, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was a process, but it was like, it's one yeah. of the best books. But it was, um, I believe with the people, it begins It begins with faith. It says they yeah. believed God. Yeah. Yes. And that's the yeah. starting point. Yes. They believed God. They believed the word of God. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you said, they were already feeling that conviction. Mm-hmm. In their hearts and minds, they're thinking, what we're doing is wrong. And we've got this yeah. idea that people are like, oh, you know, mm. no. But it's almost like the more they say, this isn't wrong. It's like, wow, you really feel it really strongly. I just said, repent. And you're like, I'm not wrong. Defensive. Yeah. yeah. And so that shows you that there's a problem. And then they proclaimed a fast. So they're seeking God and they're willing to give up what, they're willing to do whatever it takes Mm -hmm. to go to the extremes, Mm -hmm. to put off their comfort, to put off their food, just like whatever it takes to make it right with God. It reminds me of the lady who, um, (laughs) we all know, from Tyre and Sidon who comes to Jesus and says, even the children will eat the crumbs that fall from the table. Mm -hmm. Jesus, whatever you're giving out, I need. I don't care what, how I have to get it. Whatever it takes, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, sackcloth is goat hair and it's very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. so they put on these goat hair garments um and it's from the greatest to the least or from the least to the greatest it has no exemptions and no exceptions Mm -hmm. they all were part of it yeah i just was thinking as you're saying that like you know ecclesiastes says that you know he has set eternity in their hearts yes it's built in like you said people are everybody's under you know conviction Mm -hmm. (laughs) until they come to Christ so there's something in the message that pulls out what's in every man and tomorrow I have Romans 1 tomorrow so we can't get it till day 4 wait what oh oh, oh, I see hold that verse (laughs) but we see too like God has multifaceted ways of preparing us and softening our hearts and he was doing a work in the people's hearts before Jonah even got there and then you know some people say he like it, there were a few testimonies of people that came out of fish and um, I heard that like every single hair was off their body like burned the from acid, the acid <laughs> the color of their skin was they might have been like hairless he might have been hairless and an albino and how shocking that was to these guys that one of their gods they worshipped is the fish god and here he is alive yeah, yeah and if he's Middle, East, Middle Eastern and has no hair that would well, be shocking you know yeah. you think shocking. about this too when the hippie movement and the Jesus people my dad was like in his late 40s, almost his 50s, he had a chipped tooth in front. He was overweight and he was bald. 
he was my favorite man. And but, the hippies all have hair. But their... the hippies all have tons of hair. Uh-huh. They're calling his generation squares. Uh-huh. And my yeah. dad did look square. I mean, he wore a suit with a tie on yeah. Sundays. Most days, though, when he would pick me up from school, he was always fixing somebody's car. I don't know why. So he'd always have taken off his shirt, have a white T-shirt with grease on the front. So my friends are like, is your dad a mechanic? And I'm like, oh no, gosh, he's a pastor. <laughs> and they're like, he doesn't look like a pastor. I'm like, I know. And yet I felt like God chose the most unlikely person so we would know, so everyone would know it was God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they yeah. would say, wow, yeah. I want to be filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Because God does so much when you're filled with the Spirit. In fact, Brian and I were talking today that the whole difference in life is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Like the Old Testament, those people have the Word of God, right. the law of God. I mean, think about it. They had Genesis, you know, to Malachi. But they kept backsliding. They kept backsliding because they needed the Holy Spirit yeah. and transformed hearts. Yeah. And we have transformed hearts and we have the Holy Spirit. And the conviction of God is so good. Yeah. It's so good. Good. I'm so thankful for yeah, conviction. Yeah. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit won't let us get away with this. Mm-hmm. I'm so, um, what a great mm-hmm. covenant we have. But then getting to this king, he got off his throne. He took off his royal robe. He put on sackcloth. The, the greatest man in the kingdom, he yeah. sets the mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. By, and the example is humbling himself to the word of God yep. and putting himself under the authority of the word of God. That's what they did. Jonah did not put himself under the authority of the word of God. He's like, I can play fast and loose with the word of God. Yep. You know, exactly. I like this, I don't like this. Yeah. But this this kingdom, this king and all his people, they put themselves mm-hmm. under the authority of the word of God. When they believed it, they acted on Absolutely. it and they put themselves under the authority. That, that's interesting. That was something that, that hit me. I don't I saw it in a commentary and then I was just looking at the chapter. I'm like, oh yeah. yeah. Just the fact that um, you don't actually even see the word repentance here, mm-hmm. but you know that's what they're doing because right. repentance is active. You know, I, th- I think actually, what was it? I think Guzik said that. Oh yeah, repentance is not business as usual. You don't mm-hmm. just like, nah, okay, sorry. It's not this lip service thing. Oh God, sorry about that, Lord. But, you know, we, I mean, I was realizing I do that sometimes. Like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry, but here's why I did it. Like, I have these reasons and stuff. And repentance isn't like that. It's dramatic, and it's obvious where it's like, okay, they didn't even have to say, you know, and then the people of Nineveh repented. You just see that that's what they did, obviously. It and was the so king, dramatic. In humbling yes. himself, he laid aside his royalty yeah, and his thing. comforts. Like the royal robes would have been so comfortable and warm and cozy. Yeah. And he lays them aside and puts this scratchy goat hair next to his skin and mm-hmm. is in ashes instead of the comforts of the kingdom. Yeah, but what he's also saying by that is that he's saying that God's word is superior to his kingship. He is saying, you're the true king, I'm not. When he gets off his throne, he is putting God on the throne. And he's gotten off because God deserves to be on that throne. That's part of it. Yeah, And, you know, taking off his old clothes to, you know, um, which, how many people don't want to do that? They See, repentance requires, like in Colossians, I'm teaching this on Sunday to my Mm -hmm. first and second graders in Sunday school. But that repentance requires, Kayla, you should like this. Repentance takes, it means taking off the old clothes. Like Colossians says, mm-hmm. put off the old man, yeah. which is corrupt, and put on the new man. And so he's taking off those corrupt clothes of mm-hmm. being a king where he just did whatever he wanted, mm-hmm. whenever he wanted. 
and he did evil. He's taking those clothes off and he's putting on these clothes, even though they're uncomfortable, they're not as good yeah. looking. He's putting on these, yep. these the clothes of repentance. Yep. So Actively. do you guys have any thoughts on the contrast between Jonah's yeah. response to God's well, first call? Well, that was call? probably it. Yeah, <laughs> kind it's of, pretty, yeah. yeah. It's crazy in this story, like, everybody responds better to God than Jonah. It's right. crazy, you know, like the, the sailors, sailors, like everyone. And I was just thinking, I don't know if this, you know, what I took from that was sometimes familiarity can breed complacency. You know, I mean, he's, yep, he's one of the children of God. You know, he's an Israelite. Yeah. And just the familiarity of that, for whatever reason in Jonah, gave him a complacency towards mm-hmm. the word of God. Like you said, he wouldn't put himself under the authority of God's word like these other people who, you know, are completely distant from God and yet they recognize who God is better than Jonah who should, you know, be part of it. And that was just a yeah. thought to me, like, whoa, I don't want to be so familiar with the word of God that I'm like, meh. I'll repent, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading um, Matthew this week, and I was in chapter 13, and there it said when Jesus went to Nazareth that they rejected him. Yeah. You know, like, you know, what are are you doing? And I I was thinking that faith and humility are required to avert judgment. And as, again, as I was reading Judges, I've been seeing the pride of Israel, and they have this judgment and repentance and prosperity cycle, and that's what we see with Jonah we see the judgment and then the prosperity. In Nineveh, they receive this and they repent. So there's this cycle, and I was thinking how pride always leads to unbelief. And when I put my way and my will above God's will and way and word, um, I'm, I'm always going to be you know, full of unbelief yeah. because that's what unbelief is. It's my will, my way, and my word above God's will, God's way, God's word. Yeah, and and the Ninevites believe, like you're saying, they believe the word of God. And so there is a, that gives you a strength of conviction to do the right thing. When you actually do, you know, take it in and don't just take it in, but believe what God says, then there's the strength of conviction to walk in what that is. But if you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever, then you're not going to have that. So. Any other takeaways before we move no, on? That's good. Okay. Yeah, we need to move Great. on. Sorry. <laughs> Let's look at verses seven and eight. Jasmine, would you please? Oh, yes. Uh, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Mm. I've got to tell you, I got a visual when I was doing this. Yeah. I was like looking at my dog Barnabas, the golden doodle, thinking, what would you look like in sackcloth? <laughs> I know, it's funny, right? <laughs> well, there in you go. Yes. <laughs> you have your little sackcloth outfit, you know, for your yeah. chihuahua. Here you go. I know the animals. It's so funny. Actually, it was funny. I was reading um, actually your dad's commentary on this, and I thought it was kind of cute because he's talking about like how they were told not to, you know, feed the cattle and all that stuff. And he was talking about, you know, you've got the cattle like, lowing, mooing out there, wanting food. And, and he was just like, and let it just rise as a cry for mercy to God, the mooing of the cows. I was like, oh, that's cute. They're mooing for that's mercy. Cute. I love that. <laughs> you know, that was my little takeaway from takeaway? that. But I just thought it was cute. He's like going did on you, about the cows mooing. Did and, you yeah. tweet that, moo for mercy? I probably should. I know. This is Chuck's word to us today. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> moo for mercy. Yeah. I like the alliteration. I, I like was really struck with that too, though, about like they had to stop everything. And that was, the, I was trying to understand like why did the animals not to get to be yeah. fed? Like what's the point yeah, of yeah. that? But it stopped everything. I have this friend who lives yeah. in upstate New York and she has animals. And during the winter, like she still has to feed 
feed her horses, even if it's mm -hmm. like way below zero, her hose is frozen. She has to defrost her hose before she can even give her horses water. Oh like she can't take a day off. She can't ever go on vacation. Little because, house on the prairie. Yeah, <laughs> she has to take Papa. care of her animals. Yeah. So for this time that they're yeah. like not even giving their animals food, they're stopping everything and they're quieting their hearts Dramatic. before God and repenting with mm -hmm. fasting. I mean, it's... Yeah. Dramatic. Yeah, I thought it was good. interesting, though. It says not even taste food. Mm -hmm. Because I had a roommate in college who, when her diets would be that she'd, she'd put the food in her mouth, she'd chew it and taste it and then spit it out. Not weird. Yeah. But that not was... Healthy. But she. But anyway, like there, there would be those who would try to cheat. Like at least taste the uh -huh. food, but I'm not going to eat right. it. I'm just going right. to lick it. That's but interesting. I'm, but it's like, no, don't even taste it. Like you stay away from it yeah. because we need to make sure this is... It's like getting right with God is more important than eating. Mm -hmm. Getting right with God is more important than taking that drink of water. Mm -hmm. Getting right with God is more important than even your responsibilities to feed your animals. Yeah. This is God. So what they're doing is they're putting getting right with God first. Mm -hmm. It's the very first priority. And you think about Jesus saying, anyone who loves father, mother, sister, brother, more than me is not worthy of me. Right. This is what they're doing. Like God is most important. This God of Israel. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, is yeah. the most important thing that we can They're do right now. Them yes, him with all of their life, with everything about Crazy. them. Crazy. Yeah. So the beasts are supposed to. Everybody's supposed to put on mourning garments mm -hmm. and they're supposed to cry mightily. I like the New King James on that. Cry mightily, mightily or they're supposed yeah. to pray earnestly to God. Actually, yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that because I, I, I like to look up the Hebrew words on some of this stuff in case you haven't noticed, but mightily, this was interesting to me, was that word that's used there usually is used in a negative sense of being really forceful and violent. Hmm. And so I was thinking, wow, that's really interesting not to go way into the weeds on this, but Nineveh was a very violent, this was a very right. violent, wicked people. And they even say, put away your violent deeds. That's right. part of their identity. And I thought, how interesting that they were to channel that violence into the way they repented. <laughs> so it's like, stop you know, acting violently, repent violently, repent passionately. Because I mean, when you look at that, like I said, the actual word used there, I was huh. like, wow, that's really kind of striking that that's what it is. It's a real forceful term. Yeah, it's like channeling. That. Yeah, channeling it channeling away it. Yeah. Yeah. into like... Yeah. turning to God. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And even with that, just um, uh, about their repenting and, and turning from their violent deeds and stuff, I was thinking about just the fact that um, that was their identity and that's what they were known for. Everybody knew they were just wicked, violent people and how when you're repenting, that's what you're doing is you're turning away from that identity you have in the world's eyes and all of that. You're laying aside. And, you know, in our generation, we have all kinds of labels on people and, oh, I am this, I am that, kind of like what we were talking about last week with identity issues that we have and how we take on all these things as who we are. But when we come to Christ, all that goes away and you're a child of God. Yeah. None of those things are your labels anymore. So. Yeah, and but, that is what is so powerful about this story is all they had to do was believe and yeah. turn from their sin and God forgave them. Yeah. They didn't have to be Hebrew. They didn't have to be an Israelite. All they had to do was believe That's and good. God forgave them. Yeah. But they probably, their intimidation and being evil like that was probably their protection. Oh, sure. I mean, think Jonah didn't mm -hmm. want to go there. Right. So that identity yeah. is often Hopefully, our protection. Yeah. And to take that away, you're like, I'm vulnerable. Vulnerable, yeah. And, and so mm -hmm. they were like, even putting on the sackcloth, they were making themselves so vulnerable. I mean, that is like abject trust in God. Yeah. We'll give up, like you said, the identity, but that which we thought protected us. Mm. I, years ago, a woman I knew was getting a divorce and she had biblical reason. I mean, there was no doubt she could. Right. 
And I remember I said to her, I don't have a problem with you getting a divorce from your husband, but I have an, a problem with your attitude. And I said, you have so much hatred, and that hatred's going to eat you up. Mm. I said, you need to forgive him. Even if you're going to divorce, I totally get that, but you need to forgive him because this is eating you alive. And yeah. I remember she said to me, no, my hatred makes me strong. Mm. And I was just yes. like, hatred never makes anyone strong. No, 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 it no. eats you from the inside out. Yeah. And, you know, when I come to this, I think about, mm. you know, um, giving up that identity of being intimidating, of being hateful, of all that had to go. But I also was just so struck with the fact that they knew exactly what the evil ways were that they were supposed to turn from. Yeah, that's interesting. Because you'll that's often true. say like, well, what? what's evil? What do you call evil? You know, because I feel like totally okay with this. But they knew exactly what the yeah, evil was. True. You didn't have to say, turn from this and this and this and that. You didn't have to give them the naughty list. Yeah. They knew exactly what the evil was. Mm. And I thought about how they had a consciousness that they were doing wrong. Hmm. They knew what the evil was and what the wrongdoing was. And they knew what they had to turn from. And hmm. I thought about the conviction and what Romans 1, Paul says in Romans 1, 19 and 20, that people are without excuse hmm. because our hearts, the, the conviction of the Lord is in our hearts. We, we retain enough of the image of God right. To yeah, know that yeah. we're sinning against ourselves, yeah. we're sinning against other image bearers, yeah. and we're sinning against the good creation of God. There is enough of a conviction. Um, just one story real quick. I remember Brian and I were sitting and we were watching Braden play tennis when he was in high school against a public high school. And there were these kids, two girls and a boy, and they were sitting right next to us. And they were saying the most vile, awful, gross things. And their talk was getting more and more vile. And so I just did the mother thing. I just turned and I looked at them. And they looked at me and they're like, what? What's your problem? <laughs> I don't know. I was kind of punky. I like, what do you think? What do you think my problem is? And one of the girls goes, my mom talks like this. Mm-hmm. And I said, why do you think it's your speech? Why do you think that's bothering me? And she's like, um, well, like, you looked at us. And I said, well, why do you think my talk, the way you're talking would bother me? Mm-hmm. And I said, what? What are, you, what are you feeling right now? And, and then I looked at her and I said, if I was your mother, I would never use words like that. I said, you are so beautiful and you obviously have a really great personality. And I said, I would never use words like that. I said, but honey, you're too good for talk like that. You're too beautiful for talk like that. You've got too great a personality for talk like that. It only lessens you. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they all start opening up to me about their problems and what they're going through. And Brian's like, Cheryl's witnessing. Like, I'll get in on this. And we both start, like, just talking to these kids. And they, they thank us. They get up and walk away. Then they both, then they all come back, like, can we talk to you some more? And we're like, yeah. It was like this incredible conversation. And all I said was, if I was your mother, I would never talk like that to you. And I told them each one what I saw in them, that like the remnants of God that I saw in each of them. And I told them that they were created by God. And that's what made them special and that Jesus loved them so much. Beautiful. They were like so open to that. But you know what? There was already that conviction. None of them come, yeah. came from Christian homes. In fact, the mom talked to the girl like that. Yeah. Yeah. And yet she knew that talk was wrong. You know, we, yeah. we get this idea yeah, like know. people don't know. They know. Yeah. They yeah. know. Totally. That's great. Well, and we see here just God doing this work of revival in the hearts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people say like, oh, they didn't really repent, but... Jesus says they repented. Yes, they did. Yeah, in Matthew good. chapter yeah. 12, he says they repented at Jonah's preaching. And so 
Jesus is verifying the work that was going on in their hearts. Absolutely. And God knows what's going on in our hearts when we turn to him. Mm-hmm. And so physically they're turning, but also God's doing a work in their hearts. But can you yeah. imagine when people say, well, they didn't really repent. It's like, what else do you need to do? It's like well, those yeah. people that are always qualifying. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't really love me. I love you. Then if you really loved me, you would give me all the money in your bank account. No, that's not love. Not you love. know, It's like... they're. If that's not repentance. Right. Or it's simplicity here. Right. And God yeah. wants us to just focus on that simplicity that he wants us to believe and turn. Yeah, but and I think about too how people are qualifying. Well, that's not really a Christian because no. all Christians should do this. But if you're doing the biblical, if you're following the Bible, if you're loving Jesus, mm-hmm. this is repentance. Yeah. This is it. Right. You know? And it's raw. Like the tax collector in the Gospels. Yeah. Like beating his chest. You know, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know? It's just... But it shows in like the humility yeah. and putting themselves right. under yeah, the authority exactly. of God's word. Exactly. Yeah. That's the where it shows. of that. Okay. okay. Ready to move on? Mm-hmm. Do it. Right. Verse 9. Jasmine. Me again? I think, or is it Cheryl? I think it's, it's Cheryl this time. It's my turn. She's like, I want verse nine. Yeah, I, I really, yeah. Who knows? This is like what my um, almost 20-year-old grandson says all the time whenever you're saying something. Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. Okay, so we're they're running like, low on time. So let's like oh, pick your yes. favorite things on this, the most oh, important things on this day. Let's see, I didn't have as much on this, fortunately. I so. did. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, so they're 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 putting all their hope that God mm-hmm. will see their repentance and react to it, mm-hmm. and He does. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this. God didn't actually change his mind. The standard is right. still the same, yep. but they moved under the authority yeah. of God's word. If you're outside the authority of God's word, you're right for judgment. But the minute, see, God stays here. Yeah. His, here's his word. But the minute they, they repented, they moved mm-hmm. to a safe place. Mm-hmm. And the safe place is under the authority of God's word. And that's all I have to say. And isn't prayer like that too? Like God wants us to line up with his will. Mm-hmm. Like he says that he's going to answer any prayer that we pray according to his will. But he wants us to like line up with his will. And we do that in prayer. Okay, I've got two verses oh. after you. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I love, and we kind of already touched on this a little bit, just uh, that this pagan king seemed to understand just... He was just so straightforward and he seemed to understand repentance, judgment, mercy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just all straightforward in his mind. And I'm like, sometimes as Christians, we like overcomplicate everything. I don't know if we're like just reading too many books. I don't know what the deal is, but we overcomplicate a lot of stuff. And it's like, this was just very straightforward and simple. He just understood, oh, this is what I need to do. Hope for God's mercy on me, you know? I love that the Ninevites rested their future, all their hope in the grace of God. They put everything in the grace of God. And so that gave me 1 Peter 1.13. Yeah. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you by the revelation mm. of Jesus Christ. This is, should be where all our hope rests. Okay. Not my good actions or the good deeds I'm doing or you know all these different things that we put it in. Yeah. But totally in what Jesus has done mm. and that he's coming again. And then Hebrews 7.25 that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost mm. All who come to him. And I mean, these people needed to be saved 
to the uttermost, they were probably on the least likely to be saved list. Yeah, I mean, and they, they, I mean, it's like they understood like God's anger at sin, you know, like, oh, sin is really bad. We really do need, you know, mercy in this. And so just that awareness and understanding how much they needed the mercy, I'm like, Give me that awareness, yeah, Lord. So good. And here they're known for being merciless, and yet they're calling out for the mercy yeah. of God. Yeah. So good. Any other things before we move on to the next day? No, we're good. Okay. Now we're back on track, I think. Day, <laughs> thank you guys. Day six, verse 10. Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Mm. I love that. So comment on what Again, God. they turned. Yeah. They turned, and like you said, we said yesterday, <laughs> that they turned and they went at, like they went towards God. Mm-hmm. They were away from God, almost like Jonah. He had to mm-hmm. turn and you know go back. But actually, the fish turned him. Right. But these people voluntarily turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't have a great fish. They just have the threat of a great fish, and they voluntarily turn yeah. mm-hmm. and put themselves under the authority yeah. mm-hmm. of the Word of God. And I thought about how the Word of God for them was not a suggestion, mm-hmm. not a negotiable, but a reality. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's good. No, it's really true. Mm-hmm. And, and just... And God's mercy here, that God is so, you mentioned the prodigal son earlier, and I think we were, weren't we talking about that either last week or a different time? Today just too. How, yeah, just how ready God is. He's just like, mm-hmm. come, please, please respond, you know, and as soon as they respond, okay, yeah. I will show you mercy. I mean, he's just right there and ready. And that was like Wednesday night, um, we were studying through Ezekiel, and Brian was dealing with Ezekiel yes. chapter 18 mm. and verses 23 and 32. God says, I take no pleasure in the yes, death of the wicked. Exactly. And that's really what we see. No yes. pleasure at all in the death of the wicked. I don't like this. I, I say instead, turn and live. Yeah. And that's what he's saying to Nineveh. Mm-hmm. I, turn and live. I know, I hate it when people say that the Old Testament God is a God of anger and he just wants to judge and fry everybody. Yeah. I'm like, look at the whole picture yeah. here. That's, that's the whole point is he's trying to keep them from judgment and bring mm-hmm. them to repentance. Mm-hmm. His people, the pagan nations, it's, you know. Which is the whole book of Jonah. Yes. Is his yeah. heart for the lost. Yeah. He wants the lost to come back to him. Exactly. When that's I was good. a little girl, and I'd be kind of naughty. I know that's hard to believe. <laughs> but when I was a little girl, you know, I, my mom said I was really bad at sassing. And I, I remember a sassing time. And I told my mom that I was going to run away. And she said, I'll chase you down and I'll grab you and I'll, like, I can't even remember what the rest of the threat was. She did really good Irish threats. And I said, in that case, I'm sorry. I was like, just like the, the picture of my mom chasing me in front of all my yeah. friends and her well, seeing this angry person. mom. It's like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. But, you know, my mom's like, good. And it was like over, you know, and I just, I was thinking how repentance, it's over. We, we just, it's over. Like we're on the good side of God. It's over. It's just, it's like that, that storm is past. It's over. We've got peace with God. Yeah. yeah. And I love that God saw, like he saw what was going on in their hearts. He saw that they turned. He saw their actions and he acted according to that. Yeah. It was, it was thorough. And I don't know, I'll just bring this up quickly, but I was just thinking, I'm sure a lot of us are all familiar with what's gone down with Ravi Zacharias and all of that crazy stuff, but um, I, went, I went and I was reading just um, the statement that the ministry made about everything, like the international whatever um, board of directors. And, um, and I don't know, obviously we don't know all the in, ins and outs of everything, but you read that statement, it was such a thorough repentance. Yeah. I was like, whoa, they were like, 
We are so sorry to this family. We totally didn't take this seriously. We were not accountable in this area. We blew it here and here. I mean, they were so, it was just this big, long, very thorough repentance. And so, you know, I don't, again, we don't know all the ins and outs of what's going on there behind the scenes, but I was like, man, if this is genuine, this is something God can work with because they're repentant. They're fully like, wow, we are so sorry we did not handle this well and we're so sorry to all these victims. It was amazing. I was really like hit by that. It was really good. I mean, we don't wanna make the mistakes of the past. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my greatest takeaway was faith and repentance is always what God is seeking. And we too often ask for judgment, not realizing that if God should judge, will also be judged. Yeah. And I was thinking about Matthew chapter 13 because I was just reading again this week about the terrors. And, and Jesus said, the field is the world. And the wheat is, you know, the father's seed. He's sown this wheat and he wants this great crop. But the enemy comes and there's tares. And those tares are actually this plant that's called darnel. And darnel was like, uh, it was poisonous. It was really dangerous. But darnel, and it was against the law in Rome to sow darnel into somebody's field because they would, um, competitive farmers would do that. And so it became uh, a law that was punishable. Is that the one that like you can't tell the difference until it grows up all the way? Yes, and not only that, but the root systems tangled together under the ground. So if you try to pull up the darnel, you'll pull up the wheat Mm -hmm. also. So you have to wait for harvest and then you just have to separate because once it's grown, you can totally see the difference. And you can do it. And I was thinking that too often we want judgment instead of repentance, not realizing that if we start trying to judge the world, we're going to hurt the wheat at the same time. And yet we're always asking, judge that, judge them, judge that, you know. But when you do that, you're, if you pull up the wheat, if you pull up the, that, you'll, you'll hurt the wheat. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to leave the judgment to God. So and, so you know, um, this is like Jonah wanted Nineveh to be judged, but God wanted to bring Nineveh mm-hmm. to repentance. And that's mm-hmm. why we've got to leave it to God. Yeah, no, my, my mom, uh, that just triggered something. My mom always says that. She's like, if we knew how bad hell was, we would never wish that on anyone. You want everyone to come to repentance. You don't, it doesn't matter who they are. You don't want to wish that on, you know, your worst enemy. You want them to come yeah. to repentance. It's that dichotomy. It's like how bad hell is, but how merciful God is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love your point about not judging people, but just loving them and letting God do that work in their hearts. If God could do this work of revival in the hearts of the Ninevites, oh goodness, he can yeah. do that work of revival in all of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And he wants to. Mm-hmm. We were, um, I think it aired this week, but Amy Simple mm-hmm. McPherson, mm-hmm. Um, yep. she had this bullhorn and she was just saying, come to Jesus, come come to Jesus. And she would go to these big groups and she loaned the bullhorn. This young man said, I'll do it. And you start going, you're on your way. I think I told this already to perdition. And um, she took it away from him and said, no, no, everyone's on their way to perdition. Mm -hmm. We need to share the love of Jesus. And you know, she was, sorry, but she was the most successful American evangelism there ever was. Mm -hmm. And she Um, covenanted with God only to give the message of grace and love and invite people. She never spoke of judgment unless it was in a private session. Then she would do it. But she would always, she wanted to attract people, not because they were scared they'd get burned if they didn't come, but she wanted to bring them in through the love of 
Christ mm -hmm. and through the greatness. And I mean, I think honestly, heaven is going to be so good. Like there is, like you said, there's the dichotomy, but hell is so bad, but heaven is so good. And God's plans for the future, the new heaven, the new earth that's, you know, got all these jewels, you know, those things that we'd like work so hard for and we like exchange the kingdom of God for these jewels and these mm. earthly things. What God's going to give us and the jewels and the glory is so much better. Mm. It's so much better. The plans that God has are so yeah. great. They're so amazing. It's worth it's humbling worth. ourselves and coming under the authority of his word mm -hmm. and his call. Amen. Any other yeah. takeaways before we close? I think that's good. Okay. <laughs> good wrap-up statement there. Yeah. <laughs> Cheryl, do you want to close oh, us out in prayer? Father, 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 you are a good, 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 good Father. Mm -hmm. You are the best Father. You have an inheritance for each one of your children. You have such great things for us. And you're only longing for us to come under the authority of your word, to recognize the goodness of your word, the grace of your word, the mercy of your word, to realize that your will is good, that your work is good, that your word is clean and pure and endures forever. Lord, we have need of faith. We just need to believe in the goodness of our Father. I pray that you would work in each of our hearts to believe that you are good that we serve a God that if we repent, if we give up these trifles, if we give up the evil in our hearts, all of that, you've got something better for us. You've got so much good. You want to change us just like you wanted to change. 40 days and these people were changed. They were absolutely changed. Lord, we pray that we would be changed by your love, by your goodness, by your word, your will, and your ways. Work in us. And we ask this in Jesus' name.